Today we're talking about 300 Spartans born into a cult of spiritual courage, physical endurance, and unmatched battle skill who went up against <clears throat> millions of Persians at the Battle of Thermopylae. And I'm here today with Vince Shields, who is my jiu-jitsu instructor, uh, friend, and a great jiu-jitsu competitor for whom this book is very meaningful, and let's jump right into it. At Thermopylae, a rocky mountain pass in northern Greece, the feared and admired Spartan soldiers stood 300 strong. Theirs was a suicide mission, to hold the pass against the invading millions of the mighty Persian army. Oh, yeah, I was wondering if it's like tens of thousands or millions. Yeah, you mean like the accuracy of it? Or yeah, the, yeah. the reported numbers? Yeah. We're never going to know, that's the thing. Yeah. I think a lot of historians think the numbers are usually like exaggerated as yeah. opposed to under exaggerated. Yeah. But yeah, we can't know for sure. But if you think about it, even if it's like two on one, like those odds are so bad already. Yeah. You know? No, the, exactly. It's like who has the bigger arm. I think that's like what makes this story so interesting. Yeah. Is like how, how much only 300 soldiers were able to to hold off like the huge persian army yeah i mean of course it wasn't just the spartans like they had other armies there with them from greece but but without them would they would have just folded yeah exactly and just like the the valor of it like the fact that leonidas wanted to do it so that to just to like show the rest of greece that we like can stand up to the persians yeah because i think the persians were and obviously I'm not a historian, like, on this. I'm not... Yeah. I don't spend, like, too much time studying this, but, you know, I have read about it and stuff. Uh, I think the Persians were so used to just cities, like, forfeiting to them just because of, like, the size of their army. Yeah. That, like, the Spartans... It was almost like a way to call them out, like, hey, no, we're actually going to fight you. Like... Yeah. Like, get ready for... And I, and I think, like, they were banking on the fact that the Persians weren't really like prepared for a real fight yeah, yeah you know what i mean yeah which kind of shows like shows some of the lessons in this book so today we're talking about um the gates of fire which is about as we're alluding to like these 300 spartans from the movie 300 the yeah of thermopylae um and this book has like just so many lessons on like leadership combat fear um you know like just human nature manly you know? valor manly valor yeah for sure what's well, like the the greek andrea word andrea right? yeah, remember yeah, that yeah for sure <laughs> he talks about that a lot yeah yeah it's so cool like there there's so much to talk to about this book and and i think one of the coolest things is it is that it's a story that everybody kind of already knows yeah so it's like yeah. how do you make a story that everybody knows good yeah. You know, and I think it takes like a true master in Stephen Pressfield to yeah. be able to to do that, you know. Yeah, and with Stephen Pressfield this is an incredible book. He's an incredible writer. Mm -hmm. He also was a marine in Vietnam. That's true. And I feel like you you read that in the book. Like yeah. like some of the shit in this book is way too real. So like for fiction, you know like the way some of the way he describes yeah. like the look on like i don't know if you remember the scene i don't know if we want to like get into like scenes in the book no comedy, yeah we, we can yeah. It, it it's very related to what you're talking about yeah when when they try to infiltrate 
um, the king's, King Xerxes' camp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Alexandros was there. Remember Alexand- Alexandros, the yeah. guy that, like, sings, and he was kind of... Not really, like, made yeah, for war, Yeah, but he, like, forges himself into it, you know? And then there's, like, a scene where he's, like, going to throw his spear. Oh, man, and, yeah. And he gets his hand cut off. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the way, uh... Pressfield like describes like the look on his face yeah. and like how like when he finally realized he like didn't have a hand anymore. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like somebody who's had like who's seen actually seen that like I don't know I don't know if he has or not but 100% like, or seen things like that. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like the horrors of yeah. of battle. Well, the psychology of it, you know, where they go in like you know, they use like physical discipline and like do these like physical actions to keep themselves calm you know and then like the mind state of like in the beginning of the battle they're like really confident and then they like kind of get worn down and then like after a while they're like just hollowed out like that whole psychology like the way he describes it is i don't know i feel like you can't describe it that way unless you've experienced something like that you know the one yeah the one that i think really goes with what you're saying there is when he uh is that chapter where um alexandros and and the main i never know how to like say his name correctly oh, me too that. i was gonna actually ask yeah. you about that yeah uh i don't i forget it's i was thinking different... either dianakis or dianakis oh Di- no dianakis is alexandros oh, okay. uh his like mentor yeah i'm yeah. talking about like the narrator of the, oh. of the whole you know the guy that was like yeah because uh, they barely ever refer to his his actual name yeah you know like Zioni, Zionis Zionis or something Zionis, yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> anyways when when him and Alexandra sneak in to like go watch the the Spartans do battle, oh yeah for the first battle was, in here yeah, yeah I think it was with like the Corinthians or something I'm not sure exactly but uh yeah yeah and um he talks about how the like the opposing army they like did a bunch of stuff to to pump themselves up yeah and yeah. like the spartans were just standing there like yeah. and he said like it the spartans thought it was like the sign of a immature army or like a you know like a weak weakness, army to like yeah. start banging their shields and stuff yeah because the spartans never did that they would just sing their like war songs and like march and and, and they stuff. didn't you know what's interesting like a while ago on the podcast we did thucydides okay and like that's about like um the war between athens and sparta and at one point there's a spartan general who like says to his troops like the athenian general is giving this long flowery speech and the spartan general is like yeah you know no amount of speaking makes up for preparation and that's all he says that's so sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> so this this feels like when i read this book after that one this feels like very real like as a reflection of Spartan yeah. culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that is what you were saying, like his experience with war and also just a ton of research. Yeah. Into, yeah. I mean, you know, cause he's written other books about ancient Greece too. Yeah. You can tell he, uh, he loves this stuff. He loves that stuff. Yeah. You know, I love when he, he like explains Greek words, you know, like Andrea. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah there's some other good ones too. Catalepsis. I don't remember that. I, that's one one of the three concepts I liked. Like one of them was catalepsis. Um, okay. The other was Andrea slash uh-huh. like pseudo Andrea, and the other one was Phobos. Phobos, yeah. I thought those three were like. Um, so the catalepsis yeah. is like like when people get possessed, 
by this like uncontrolled rage you know or like, oh, okay. like animalistic fury. right 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 and the spartans are like no you need to be disciplined and like in in self-control self-possession you know yeah yeah that yeah i remember that that it's true and that that is like one of the reasons why i like this book so much and how it kind of like relates to my life with jujitsu or whatever yeah it's like it's little lessons like that that i actually take to heart yeah yeah I, i don't know the whole reason we got to talking about this book yeah right is because you know for people who don't know like we train jiu-jitsu together yeah obviously yeah. vince is a uh, amazing jiu-jitsu competitor no. <laughs> my instructor i'm not but thank you yeah. um and I, I i i told you i don't i don't know if you remember this but i told you about the quote oh yeah uh, about the wrestler yeah the, no, no no in the beginning of the book it's like in the very beginning before the actual book starts uh, the, oh, fox the fox knows many tricks, but the hedgehog has one good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and I told you, like, that that whole quote, like, kind of sums up my approach to jujitsu. Yeah. Where, like, there's so many people who want to do all this, like, fancy stuff, and, and they don't focus enough on, like, the, the classics and the basics, and... Yeah. I don't know, but that's not to say, like, yeah. you should try to learn everything you can in jiu-jitsu of course but no but i, I take your point and it speaks to what yeah. we were talking about before a little bit about yeah like limitation you know yeah you only have so much time to like yeah. invest you know so you should focus on what you're good at and then also try to learn things you're weaker in but but also like <clears throat> you know the essence of strategy is like asymmetry so if you have limited time and you're trying to build like a differentiated advantage, like you're better at something than the other person, you have to invest in a focused way, right? Like if you're just spreading yourself thin, like you're, you're not going to be good enough at anything to like punch through, you know? The funny thing is there's, there's a lot of people who, um, who think that quote like favors the, the fox instead of the hedgehog. Yeah. There's like a whole debate about this. Yeah. And I like to me it's it's clear that it favors the hedgehog. Like I don't know, but there's there's a lot of people who think it's like saying that the fox is better. I, I don't know. Yeah. I so, feel like if if he was saying the fox is better, like that would come after, you know. He'd be like the hedgehog has one trick, but the fox has many good ones. That's possible. Instead yeah. of the yeah. other way around, right? Yeah, I I think with this quote, it's like such a fragment that we kind of read into it what we what we want to. You know, yeah, I guess like, that's true. <laughs> that's true with a lot of like, especially ancient quotes and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because I feel like this, this one is somewhat it. contextual, you know. Yeah, like yeah. for example, if we're talking about the alphabet, like if if you know one letter versus you know all the letters, like it's better to know all the letters. No, yeah, like even if you know one letter, really of course. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's like kind of situational, but. But but I think I think your, your interpretation of it is really important because like this as- idea of asymmetry yeah is like really crucial and is like emotionally hard I find personally because like you want to think you can do it all you don't want to think oh I if I invest in this I'm not investing in this I can learn everything I can do it all well because the reality is you can't and if you do everything average like you're not going to be able to like you know, leverage your strengths to, like, beat someone or, like, win a situation, you know? 
we were talking about this before, like how earlier today, how, you know, I don't know that we've kind of gotten better at sort of managing that kind of fear of, of missing out. Yeah. As, as you, I guess you could call it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how, like for you, how do you think you developed that? Like, was it just kind of like an acceptance phase? And then I think for me going through this course, like literally last week, I don't think I was like, I think I'm still not the best at this, but that course was a real like wake up call for me. Like okay. time management for mortals. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Cause okay. like, I don't know. I think I, I was totally off that position where in my head somewhere subconsciously, I thought if I just get really good, like if I optimize everything someday, I'm going to be able to do it all. Yeah. You know? Like, I was acting as if, if I just keep, like, cranking efficiency out of my life, like, at some point it'll click, and I'll, you know, everything I want to do will be done. But that course was, like, a real wake-up call that there is no point where that happens. There's no point where that happens. All you can do is just kind of induce burnout, I feel like, over time, right? 100%. For me, I mean, I've experienced burnout before, for sure. Same. You know? And it sucks. Yeah. Cause you don't you, you hate feeling lazy right yeah yeah but when you're burnt out that's all you can do it's a dog like chewing on your keys <laughs> he's fine I, I think it's your blanket interesting interesting well, those are my keys yeah i wouldn't let him have that he's gonna... <laughs> those are gabby's keys so yeah she'll she'll be upset <laughs> yeah see this little dog with the black belt oh that's adorable <laughs> Does she do jujitsu too? Nah, no. She she goes she goes to Orange Theory every day. Do you oh, know what that nice. is? Is it like a, like a fancy gym? It's it's like it's it's like they have classes, okay. you know, and they they wear this uh like like a monitor. I I don't. It's not just a heart rate monitor. It's like the little device you put on your arm and it it monitors a bunch of stuff. But it's mostly for your heart rate, I think, and no. And, uh, I guess she thinks it's cool, or the reason why it's cool, people think it's cool is because there's, uh, like, the lights change in your little station based on your heart rate, so when you're, like, really pushing, like, the light will turn red, and if you're, like, in kind of, like, the mid zone, it's orange, and the easy zone is, like, green, so it, like forces you it kind of gamifies your your workout you know yeah i mean that's similar to jiu-jitsu in a way where you know like you you push because you kind of have to you know or like the, you, you receive feedback like if you're not pushing enough you get beaten well dude that's then, what i always tell people like who don't work out or who want to work out but they're like oh, I, I you know i don't like it or whatever you just need to find like a way to make it fun yeah you know like a workout that you enjoy and i think for me and for a lot of people it's like getting having something that you can measure progress like pretty well or pretty easily yeah or pretty consistently Mm -hmm. you know with like it could be something like rock climbing or like any any physical hobby that's like you know if, if you just if you don't work out and you just like go to the gym and start trying to lift weights it's gonna be so boring i think yeah for a lot of people yeah or if you're i mean if you're gonna lift weights unless you're into it you know yeah and 
if you're into it, it's probably because you're making progress. Like if you're powerlifting, you're not just going and lifting weights. You're like, oh, yeah. here's my number two. Yeah, you, you, yeah, your PRs and stuff. Yeah, so that's like fun, you know. If you're that type of person, because different people like don't like different things. Like for jujitsu, for sure. Like if people are looking for a fitness outlet, I never recommend jujitsu. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I feel like with jujitsu, it's not just fitness. There's a lot of suffering involved. And if you're just looking for a workout, I think, like, fitness kickboxing is, like, a better bet. If you want to learn this skill and if you're willing to, like, suffer for it, then jujitsu is an amazing workout, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. If you're into that and you kind of have that mindset of, like, wanting to... That's why, like, a lot of engineers get good at, at jujitsu because it's kind of, like, that same problem-solving aspect. Yeah. It's pretty cerebral, I guess, at times. For sure, yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but there's some, you know... It tends to be kind There's some of, dummies that do jiu-jitsu, too. But, that's true, too, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's good. It's a good, it's a good sport. I, I can't tell you how many times, like, from teaching jiu-jitsu that I've seen people come in who just want to try something to get in shape, and they don't really know what jiu-jitsu is. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I tell them, okay, you know, this is closed guard, like open your legs. Yeah. Yeah. And they look at me, what? You know, like <laughs> dumbstruck. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, but, and it's, it, you never know who it's going to stick with and who it doesn't. I always try, I always try to think this person, it'll, it'll go, you know, they'll, they'll stick with it. This yeah. person definitely won't. Yeah. Oftentimes I'm wrong, you know. The people who I think are are gonna be total wimps end up being actually some of the toughest guys, and yeah. and like vice versa. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. So it's it's funny, but um. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting that way. It is definitely really interesting that way, but it's not like a like a casual workout. And also, I I feel like, yeah, I mean. I don't think it can be. Like, I don't think there's a version of jiu-jitsu where you're like, you know, every day you come out and you're like, oh, I'm fresh. I feel great. Like, there are going to be days where you're really beat up. Yeah, you're, you're never, struggling. yeah. You know? I think probably what? 60% of my training is like, I have to push myself to get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, you know, I'm I'm not just happy-go-lucky. Yes, I get to train today, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'll, I always look forward to it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But you have but, to be the kind of person who, like, looks forward to, like, just, like, fighting people. Yeah, I mean, I think I've gotten better, too, at, at taking, like, at taking days off. You know what I mean? And yeah. And not pushing myself too hard. Yeah. When before, especially with, with that gym, you know, Sarau, Sarau's mindset is very much train all the time. Like, yeah, yeah no days off days off are for pussies you know yeah. sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to no you're like yeah you're like swear <laughs> and stuff okay cool i swear a lot so you know, i don't hear you swear that much actually i, I guess i don't <laughs> i don't know i don't know i guess it's all relative i do and i know? don't yeah yeah but dude i swear you know when you when you watch a movie that pumps you up or something yeah i feel like i can open any page of this book and and read a page and, and get pumped up yeah like the language and everything is so it's so masterful 
Yeah, it really is. And it, it does relate so much to uh to my training and all that. Yeah, like the suit, the Andrea and pseudo Andrea. Here's an example. Like, you know, I pretty much did randomly just open it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. So the Spartans are schooled to regard the foe, any foe, as nameless and faceless. In their mind, it's the mark of an ill-prepared and amateur army to rely in the moments before battle on what they call pseudo Andrea, false courage, meaning the artificially inflated martial frenzy produced by a general's eleventh-hour harangue or some peak of bronze-banging bravado. Built to by shouting, shield pounding, and the like. That's so literally what I, I just talked about earlier. Yeah, that I, exact I love that. scene. I love that idea, <laughs> dude. That that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, right, Straight right. Up. And I feel like this is very like good advice. Yeah, you know, like just just go in and just be professional. It relates to competing too in jujitsu, which yeah. you've done now. Yeah. So it's it's yeah yeah I had I had a lot of I had a lot of nerves like until I like got there. And then it was, like, just kind of, like, doing what we do, you know, day in, day out. But leading up to it, I was, like, tying myself in knots, like, mentally. It's always going to be like that. You're always going to be nervous. Yeah. You just have to, it's just how you deal with it. Yeah. You know? Just yeah. no pseudo-Andrea. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the other thing that's cool is is how he, he describes the way the phalanx worked. Like, oh, how yeah. it's, like, a giant sort of, like, milling machine. Yeah. Did you look into into it at all like how how the greek phalanx phalanx worked and stuff and no yeah you should tell me about uh, it okay yeah yeah so it's really interesting actually so you actually to be a hoplite which is a soldier who would be in the phalanx uh you had to be right-handed oh really unless i'm mistaken i mean if some there's some like history buff listen yeah that's how i always feel with these episodes too but yeah (laughs) i'm pretty sure this is correct uh, you had to be right-handed because you, you would hold your shield in your left hand and your spear in your right hand. Okay. So obviously your spear side is, is the open side. So you would stand next to the person who had their shield on their left, which would cover your right. Yeah. Also, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So you're like here and then the next guy's shield is here. So it's like the spears are like poking out in between the shield. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then the, the line one or two back had their shields or sorry their their spears at like a 45 degree angle so if somebody tried to jump over the lines or something uh they would just get impaled yeah you know and usually like on both sides of the phalanx they would have have like cavalry and stuff kind of guarding like the sides yeah um but and then i don't know if you remember the scene in in uh in uh gates of fire where they're talking about the training the, the, oh yeah the tree fucking yeah yeah do you remember yeah, that's like it's like pushing against the tree with their yeah until it and, falls down yeah and it so it seemed like it didn't really fall down uh, yeah i don't it's out there forever it you know? just died <laughs> well, yeah, one of them died yeah. yeah one of them died <laughs> yeah so but that's that's what they would actually do like it, it, on battle in battle yeah is is use their shields as, as a push and then thrust with the spears you know yeah yeah What's insane to me is, like, in this book, they build it up from, like, when these soldiers are kids and they're training, and then they go into battle, and you see how it all pays off. Like, it all adds up, and it's, like, exactly the same stuff they did in training, and they just execute, you know? I think the character development of Alexandros was really interesting. Yeah. And cool. Yeah. It was really moving, like... Like, his relationship with Polonikis, and how Polonikis is kind of always 
jealous of Diana Keys, and that's why, like, Paul Nikes hated Alexandros. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. The, 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 the training and stuff. It's the, hardcore. They, it's, it, and just the way it's, it's laid out in the book, you're right, is so, so cool. Were, were you surprised at all by kind of, like, the, the, I guess, the, the use of profanity in this book? <laughs> like, I, 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 I was surprised by just how, like, raw this book was over yeah <laughs> yeah like it felt but you know what it felt like it felt like like a marine a real, wrote the book yeah <laughs> yeah you know? um like someone who understands that soldier culture you know like yeah yeah i the funny thing I, i've been waiting to tell you this for for a while too oh really <laughs> yeah i mean i first read this book in like seventh grade i think yeah or i tried to i didn't understand yeah. as much back then obviously but I, I as i read reread this book for this podcast i was like i can't believe i read this that young yeah there's some is... parts in it that are are so there's a lot of parts profane, which are like very like yeah like profane and like 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 a horror show oh no. yeah <laughs> It like makes the ancient ancient world like ancient warfare very real. Yeah, that know? first scene. Yeah, where his sister gets raped and stuff. Yeah, that's and... horrible. Yeah, but also yeah. a reality check, right? Where it's like we're just not used to this world where people are constantly it's under so attack true. and their lives are just like you know tossed to the wind by fate at any time. You know, get you know you can get stabbed in the leg and just die of tetanus or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like nowadays with modern medicine, you get you get a cut. You don't yeah. think about oh, I could die from this. Right. Generally, and back then, like the way they fought, like they're getting cut all the time. Yeah, you know. No, that, that's what they talked about. Diana Keys that he had like all these battle scars. Yeah, that description of his, his body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so cool. Wait, let me see if I can let me see if I can find that because that yeah. was uh, a good reality check too. Or there's just. Just the the language they use when when Polynikes is always shitting on Alexandros, like when uh Alexandros left his uh shield in in the oh yeah the that was way. a that was an intense scene and he's just like is this a piss pot he's yeah. like okay I'll take a piss I'll stick my dick in one side of your ear and pull it out the other and yeah, take, yeah. it's like it's, it's like what. And the shield is like adorned with like these charms from his like mom and sister, and then Polynikes like pisses on them, Dude. and he has to like hold the shield, and then they like train all night, and his friend dies in the training, you know. Oh, it was because of that, yeah. right? The yeah. the tree thing. And Polynikes like breaks his nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Polynikes was like this Olympic champion and like, right, this super heroic Spartan, but he also had this like taste for glory and some like callousness a little bit. Like, he didn't have the warmth of, like, Diana Keys, uh, and Alexandros, like, like you were saying, like, Polynikes is jealous of Diana Keys, who's this other, like, Spartan captain. Yeah, um, so he, Diana Keys is, is the guy who they say was the bravest of all Spartans. Yeah. There's that famous quote, like, oh, we're gonna do the battle in the shade. Everybody knows that, that quotation, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was said by Diana Keys, supposedly, yeah. you know, according to Plutarch or whoever, whatever that excerpt is from. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that sort of sets the context. And I think uh, 
I mean, I got the impression that, that Paul Nikes was always sort of jealous of Diana Keys, like, for his, like, his valor. and Yeah. Even though he was also a super decorated soldier. Yeah. There was just, there was just a, a weird dynamic. And it was. that's another thing that that this book does so masterfully is yeah. set up those types of character relationships that aren't explicitly sort of like no one explicitly says they have a weird relationship but it's just kind it. of yeah you feel it through the characters yeah you yeah. know no that's so true um that's so true it's it's so good it's the character development is so good and uh just how it goes back and forth between perspectives too that's a really unique sort of um storytelling style i think that yeah. you don't find too much in fiction uh you know it's it's usually if it's a first person book mm-hmm. it's usually written from the perspective of the main character yeah you know but i guess we should we should explain sort of how the book is is set up it's literally a narration to the persian king mm-hmm. by a, a squire of the spartans who he pretty much at the end became Dianakis' squire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so somebody who would who would assist sort of putting on armor, which they needed help. Spartans needed help putting on their armor. They couldn't like latch on everything themselves and especially Dianakis. Yeah, he had like he had sol- shoulder injuries and stuff. Yeah. That that made it really difficult. Um and he was this uh character who's narrating was one of the only ones he was captured by the persians and he survived and and he's telling like he's telling the story uh because the persian king xerxes was interested in hearing about who these people were. yeah exactly yeah and so so, like man there's so much in here but the persian the persian king to like understand like why this whole thing was such a big deal like there's this scene where there's a sailor and he's like describing like the persian supplies you know um so explain that ah, here yeah we go. i know what you're talking about yeah yeah so this guy you know he's like he's like stirring up all the like greek soldiers before the battle and he's like the sight i beheld uh numbed my senses with awe there was this like dump as big as a city uh, and when you got close, the hills were, you know, salt meat, towering in hogsheads of brine, stacked to the heavens, weapons, stands of arms by the so tens cool. of thousands. Yeah. Grain and oil, bakers' tents the size of stadiums, uh, every article of war the mind could imagine, troughs of oats for the king's horses a mile long, and in the middle there was this, like, giant uh, oilcloth-shrouded pyramid, and can you guess what's under that? Just Paper paper to record you know all the inventory for like the men the horses the arms grain order for the troops uh reports requisitions courts marshals decorations of valor just yeah yeah that totally sets the scale for for what they were dealing with with the persians yeah like they have more paper than these guys even have like troops yeah you know that's so crazy i didn't even i didn't think about that to be honest it's 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 crazy how you can just pull out a quote and revisit it and realize something you didn't 
yeah. see there before. Yeah. But there's there's so much depth into the like the world building. Yeah. That he does. And yeah. I feel and that was a great example too of the language he uses. Yeah. To make it feel like it's obviously English, but it's a different type of English. It almost feels like Greek. It does, yeah. But it's yeah. English. You know do you get what I'm saying? I, I, I do. I feel like his like, his choice of like colloquialisms and like Yeah. The way he describes things. Yeah, it feels it, it feels like someone who was like in the era. Like yeah. not someone from now. It yeah. does. The pace too. You know, the narration and stuff. I just feel like there's a rhythm to to the flow of, of the words. Yeah. This is a page turner. Like if if you're looking for a book that's just gonna suck you in, like this this book definitely does that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would definitely recommend this book to yeah, anybody. For sure. I've been recommending this book to people. Yeah, have you? Yeah. I'm glad you liked it, man. Yeah, I wanted that's... I wanted to see like what other stuff he has, like Yeah. I started reading um he has a book about the Amazonian warriors. It's it's not as good, honestly. Yeah, um, this is a hard one to to beat. Exactly, um, but his most famous one is is like the the legend of Bagger Vance, right? Oh, really? I think it's about a golfer. Oh, and they made a movie about it. Yeah, and that's how Stephen Pressfield kind of became famous. I wish he was here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish we were interviewing him. Well, I I, I could reach out, dude. You know, you should see. You should yeah, DM yeah. him. Yeah. I'll hit him up, yeah. He was on um, Tim Ferriss' podcast. Yeah, it's going to be a hard sell, but... Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like the way... The, like, la- the last guy who came on who actually, like, has, like, a following... What I basically told him is, like, you know, we're new at this. Uh-huh. You know, we understand if you have better opportunities. We expect that you probably do. Yeah. But if you want to, like, join enthusiastic novices and podcasting, then we're here, you know? I think yeah. in that case, he was just super excited that people were interested in his ideas and stuff yeah because like they're still, pretty fringe yeah yeah but th- his books have like a cult following though like the war of art totally no i, I was talking about uh um oh oh your Brian last Gavlin? Yeah, 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 yeah yeah no steven pressfield's is pretty mainstream i mean yeah the other cool thing about him is he didn't find fame until super not fame like success yeah he didn't find success until and he's very vocal about this yeah like he was basically homeless and his he got divorced in his 40s oh it's brutal yeah it was just not successful at all until like until his 50s i think yeah that's hard uh-huh he really so. like put his money where his mouth is with like the war of art stuff you know where it's it, like you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and go pro you know it's it's yeah the lessons in there are so good, especially, you, yeah, uh, yeah. What he's—I was gonna say what he says about professionalism, like going yeah. pro and stuff, and how professionals don't have a mess. They get up at the same time. They do the same thing. You know, they have a routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That changed my outlook a lot. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and it also clarifies like your relationship with motivation. You know, where he's like, professionals just do the work, and the motivation comes. Like when it comes. Yeah. yeah. The idea of resistance. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's so real. That's that's so good. Yeah. It it is so real. How it's it blocks your 
creativity and just like your in your desire to do do things yeah it's, i feel like it's kind of insidious too you know like it takes like different forms that seem plausible it's like oh maybe i shouldn't do this because of this like maybe this is not the right business idea you know? happens maybe. with jujitsu too right yeah yeah for sure maybe i should take the day off yeah you know? yeah okay. but yeah yeah that's definitely true um so much in this book with the professionalism thing i feel like that relates to the spartans so much because like that spartan ethos right like i think a lot of his work his non-fiction work was inspired by his research with greek culture and specifically yeah. the spartans yeah um i should have brought it I, there's a book called uh that also he wrote called the warrior ethos yeah it's I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but it's it's either mandatory or or highly recommended by mil- military personnel to read. It was yeah. written it written for military personnel. Interesting. But you can um, apply it, you know, in any facet of your life. For sure. Yeah. Too, but uh, before this, we were we, we were joking about. The, the patriarchy sticker oh yeah yeah to destroy sure. the patriarchy and, and yeah. you said oh this book that we're about to cover is kind of the opposite of destroy the patriarchy right yeah for sure but uh uh steven pressfield talks ab- about this one scene in gates of fire that elicited yeah. like a huge reaction from its readers really which uh and it's at the very end yeah. and it's it's before the final push where everybody dies where leonidas dies and stuff yeah um, and he talks about why he selected the 300 men that right. he selected. And I might butcher it, but basically what he says is, uh, you know, I could have selected any 300 people that were good fighters. Yeah. That that wasn't the, the criteria yeah. of which I used to select them. The criteria I used was the strength of their women. Because when these really? men die, yeah, uh, in battle, like yeah. their women need to hold it together and like yeah. run the city, right? And you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So apparently that scene like had a huge fan response, and I could yeah. see why. Like it's a super powerful idea scene, you know, an idea. I think it's it's definitely valid. Like at one point, you know, Diana Keys is like waxing philosophical on like the nature of fear. And he t- talks about how, like, you know... The opposite of courage stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the opposite of fear, sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's not courage. Yeah, that it's whole love. Spiel. You know, it's yeah. love. Yeah, that was so sick, right? Yeah, that was. That That gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. So, you, you I mean, you can explain it, or I can explain it. But. Uh, you can explain it. Yeah, yeah, so basically what he says is, you know, what is the opposite of fear? And, I get, like, most people would say courage, right? Mm-hmm. Or bravery or, or something of the such. Yeah. And basically, the idea is that courage is just, is not the opposite of, like, fear still exists when you're having courage. Yeah. And, right, it's it's kind of, courage is kind of just there to, to mask the fear rather than be, like, opposing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the true, and, you know, he goes on and on, like, is there really an opposite to fear? Like, what is it? Who, who possesses it yeah you know? does anyone here like embody it you know yeah 
and yeah and and he ends up saying that it's love right it's it's love for what you do love for the battle yeah or or, for the people around you yeah or for your city or you know yeah. yeah that's 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 also a very powerful line yeah in that book yeah and with Danike's like you know this guy has this kind of running theme and preoccupation with fear so he he studies fear like he studies like you know Spartan breathing exercises to deal with fear or like how to like conduct yourself before the battle and how to like pay attention to the little details so you're not like getting caught up in your head or even to like make up work for your guys so they're not like freaking out yeah yeah that was that was one and i remember there was a scene where uh alexandra's talking about something that dianiki's told him relating to that about fear and he said your mind is just is like a a room with a bunch of doors oh that's interesting and there there's just certain doors that you don't open yeah like (laughs) the fear of dying like all that you just don't open that door you know that's that's so interesting because that embodies what we're talking about with the patriarchy sticker because like in modern society i feel like that would be frowned upon right like every door has to be open everything has to be talked about but these guys are like no let's not go there let's just like focus on what we're doing it's okay to not introspect every single thing you know it's very like contrary in a way to like the modern approach you know well uh, yeah i think we're trained I mean, especially I think in the states to 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 be super analytical about everything. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, we're taught from a young age, you got to get a career. Like all the, all this matter. Your grades matter. Everything matter. If you, you know, sleep in, you're you're gonna be a failure. I mean, that's yeah. obviously an exaggeration. No, but that's in but the that's kind of how we're trained, yeah. and uh, yeah, I just think. There's, there's definitely a skill in blocking your mind from going down a certain, like, a certain negative, uh, train, train track, you know, a negative ride. Yeah. Like a negative, yeah. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I think it's, it's, it, it's, it's definitely a skill because it's yeah. so easy the way, my point is like the way we were sort of brought up, it's so easy to sort of, to be, oh, I, I did this one thing wrong at work. I'm going to get fired or, or yeah, like yeah. have that, you know, fear mindset, I guess. What fascinates me is like, do you meditate? I used to, I haven't been good at it lately. I try to do activities that are kind of a meditation, but it's not yeah. traditional meditation. Like I like to go on walks. I like to cook. For me, cooking is kind of a meditation. Or jujitsu. Jujitsu you know, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, but me lately, my thing has been walking, just like walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That so, can be really good for that too, for sure. Yeah. But I used to do, I used to do Zen and I tried a bunch of different types of meditation and nice, nice. all that. I, I even had, uh, I even do, did those, the isochronic waves and stuff. Oh, that's cool. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but I haven't tried that. It works yeah. pretty good for meditation. Yeah. yeah. Like the idea is that it like tunes your brain to a certain frequency interesting to a meditative frequency is that like a binaural beat exactly so there's binaural and there's isochronic or something let me look it up but isochronic 
wait. Yeah, isochronic tones versus binaural beats. And it's just, I forget the exact difference. Uh, uh, Interesting. Unlike isochronic tones, both binaural and monaural beats are continuous. So I guess isochronic is not continuous and binaural is. I don't know. But, uh. One thing I found yeah. interesting is, like, Diana Key's, like, this guy does all those things, right? Like, he, he almost has, like, a meditation practice. Like, when he talks about phobologia or, like, the Spartan, like, you know, practice of dispelling fear. Yeah. He's like, yeah, the body is, like, the factory of fear. And, like, you have to, like, breathe and, like, you know, feel where the fear is in your body. And, Dude, like... that was so interesting, right? Yeah. When he talked about, like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he say there were, like, three stages of it? Or something like that, and I think so. There's yeah. there's the phase where your body is just shaking, and that's like dispelling the phobos or whatever. He yeah, says, yeah, yeah. He says that's a good thing because your body is like dispelling it. Dude, that was so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like that's another example of, of somebody who probably experienced that the way he wrote about it. Yeah, yeah. You know totally, what I mean? Totally. And like after the battle, like the first battle, where all of them are like that, you know, we're like. Sh- just shaking uncontrollably yeah, yeah and these are like you know super disciplined like yeah intense like spartans but oh, wait drop it good boy what's he eating he's just like eating a piece of paper oh my god all right give me one sec we're back that's that was a better one anyways yeah yeah <laughs> that was a better we're back yeah uh sounded like a radio level voice <laughs> yeah so so i've got a, a quotation here this is, I, I don't know if you were, so this is actually a, a pretty, this whole scene is, is a pretty cool topic and it reminded me sort of, I hate to circle it back to jujitsu again, but it, it's, it's related. Yeah. yeah it, it's talking about how the Spartans had this practice of where they would kind of just get into a room and the more senior Spartans would just shout insults at like the, <laughs> the upcoming and it was supposed to teach yeah. them to uh like um be able to deal with their emotions to, yeah. to not be emotionally driven right not react right. they were supposed to just not react they were supposed to actually laugh yeah at, at the, at the insults that were getting thrown at them and yeah so during this scene uh, Polonikis yeah. is doing this to, to Alexandros and he kind of just starts taking it a little too far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he this is where he's like talking about uh, <laughs> he talks about, he's like, imagine this Alexandros, you have your spear in a man's gut. Like, is your dick hard? Yeah. <laughs> he says yeah, that. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and Alexandros is like, no, no lord. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, What? You you you've got your spear in a man's gut and your dick is hard. What are you? What are you a woman? Yeah. And like everybody starts thinking. Everyone's he, uh, trying to like slow him down. He's like, whoa. Yeah, whoa. yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. no, no, I got this. <laughs> but then he kind of goes into to yeah. the this spiel sort of about like the the virtues of of war. Yeah, this and, was an and, intense and camaraderie. Scene. Yeah. And I think this is a a a really cool quotation. So he goes. War, not peace, produces virtue. Yeah. War, not peace, purges vice. War and preparation for war call forth all that is noble and honorable in a man. It unites him with his brothers 
and binds them in selfless love, eradicating in the crucible of necessity all which is base and ennoble. Yeah. Uh, there in the holy mill of murder, the meanest of men may seek and find that part of himself, concealed beneath the corrupt, which shines forth brilliant and virtuous, worthy of honor before the gods. Do not despise war, my young friend, nor delude yourself that mercy and compassion are virtues superior to Andrea, to manly valor. <laughs> then that's basically the end. You should you but, should like memorize that quote and like <laughs> say it to like new people who come in. Dude, like seriously, <laughs> it, it like it makes me tear up when I'm yeah, when I'm that. reading it. Like, what page is that on? That is on one thirty-seven. Okay, let me make let me see if I have this like. Yeah, the, the, that's a cool. Cool, yeah cool quote for sure yeah it really is this like holy mill of murder the meanest of men may seek this like alliteration too yeah. it's like so good <laughs> it's poetic yeah and it's so i think it's really true and i think it does apply to jujitsu where just on like a certain level like i've i personally have found like when i'm doing jujitsu the rest of my life does clean up you know or just just any kind of activity that that requires camaraderie yeah, like hardship in heart exactly in hardship yeah right like kind of any definitely find that in combat sports yeah, but you can sure. you can also yeah. find it in any you know even even your work i guess yeah. right if you approach it that way or if it right you know, yeah leo my my head coach he would always tell me that all of life is a fight <laughs> <laughs> life is just a fight that's that's his his theory so yeah maybe there is some truth to that i i think there's definitely truth to that yeah so I, I think with life versus jujitsu the difference is like you know let, let's say like you're in school you're a student you know if you take it on board you're like yeah i'm i'm in this and i'm gonna do well now it's hard now it's really hard psychologically right there's pressure you're fighting for it. if you're like oh i could do that but whatever, you know, like school sucks. Now you've managed to like avoid the, the hardship of it in a way. You're not taking you're not taking on mentally the hardship. And I've been as a student, I've been in both places where I've been a shit student where I'm like, hey. me too. I've also been a good student, and the pressure is like shocking. You know, when you do one versus the other, and with, with jujitsu, the difference is like when you're getting choked out, you don't have the option to be like, whatever. You know? Yeah, no, that's so true. Like it gets real for you, like quick you know usually even when you go into to train with the mindset oh i'm just gonna go light today you end up going when somebody's you know on your back you you end up trying as hard as you can to escape because you don't want to nobody likes to tap or whatever i mean you you have to accept it at some points you know but man i'll tell you what i totally going back to school look at the school thing you mentioned i mean i totally would crumble under the pressure of, of school. Yeah. When I was a student, it was tough. I don't know why. I mean, yeah, because I could handle jujitsu and, and most other areas of my life, I can handle the pressure pretty decently. Could be age-related, partially. Could be, yeah. I just, I think I really didn't want to disappoint people. Yeah, I you think know, that's part of it for sure. Like not just my parents, but but yeah, like my, my peers too. I want to do as good as them and, and all that yeah. stuff. So, and yeah, I'm sure like you were too. It, 
the schools I, I went to were like somewhat competitive, so they yeah. made it maybe more more than necessary, you know. Yeah, and in the Bay, I, Bay Area, like you know, you you grew up in the Bay Area, right? Did yeah, yeah. So the Bay Area is particularly intense, like yeah, um, private schools and, and stuff. Yeah, so you get a real flavor for that. And I, I wish I I knew what I know now. I could go back and be like this ultra is, discipline. This really, just kill it. this really doesn't matter as much. Just just do your best. Yeah, yeah. Just do your best. You know, for sure, for sure. But yeah, I I feel like I finally like you know figured this out when i went back to school when i was already working like mm-hmm. i just took some night classes same but i was committed to being like okay i'm paying money for this i'm an adult and i want to just do as well as i can and that's the first time i really felt that pressure because i was like you know taking it on board fully and like i was like i'm really gonna try to like you know do really well and yeah it was really hard it's hard to go for like to actually get like all a's consistently in like technical classes like I think no, nobody teaches you how to learn. To, yeah, very true. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. people have different learning uh, strengths and weaknesses just yeah. like any other skill. Yeah, for sure. And there's ways they learn better than others. Yeah. Uh, for me, you know, I didn't even really understand the value in reading for fun until I was probably a senior in high school. Yeah, Just yeah. because for me you know growing up reading was something we had to do for school like it wasn't yeah something you do for fun kind you know fun is n64 yeah you know fun is mario kart fun is yeah zelda you know for sure for sure but those are fun those are fun yeah <laughs> but uh yeah and then i i started reading more and it's like okay there's so much depth to certain but there, books are, are are such a medium that you can't uh find the same deliverance anywhere else i think yeah especially for me you know in terms of a story i know you you like a lot of non-fiction yeah too, but, which i do too but you know non-fiction can have a story you know that's true yeah yeah that's very true no that's very true like this borders on non-fiction like it's it's fiction, kind of but yeah. yeah it's historical fiction yeah uh and and there's yeah there's a lot of truth to it or there's a lot of realism i should say yeah like right I, I believe it. Like I would have to be, I would have to be really convinced that this is not like how oh, it Spartan was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, There's a there's a scene to it, or not? It's not a scene. It's it's sort of, um, yeah, like an ex- excerpt of uh, of the warrior ethos. Yeah, where he talks about more about Spartan training, and apparently there was one thing they did where they were made to take a sip of water and hold it in their mouth and run 10 miles and then spit the water out at the end. So they, they had to hold the water in their mouth the whole time they were running 10 miles. Wow. So I guess this was for like, for building, breathing through your nose. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. And, and also just discipline. Yeah. yeah. But like poor poor Alexandros with the broken nose, you know. Oh, what if yeah. he couldn't do that? Yeah. And yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure I believe uh kids died all the time during the Spartan training. They died you know? before they even like Yeah. Didn't crawled, right? Like, cause they when the Spartan kids oh. were born, you know, they'd like assess whether they're fit. They to, would like, get examined. Yeah. 
And then if if they weren't fit, they were get just thrown in get, a pit. Yeah, thrown in a pit. That is crazy. Yeah, their their culture, like I don't know, it simultaneously like has elements that are just barbaric, but also is like super inspiring in other ways. Like obviously, there's like rampant slavery. Um, that's yeah. that, when I was reading. Yeah, the yeah. slave, the the the, the, the different helots. the helots and yeah. the different like territories that that. So Sparta is the city, right? It's the main city. Yeah. But La- Lacedaemonia. Yeah. Or I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. I I think so. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of like that's kind of the state, and that encompasses more cities than just Sparta. Yeah. But basically, all the the cities on the outskirts were I forget helots, right? Or yeah, yeah, like they didn't slave like entire gr- entire groups of people, people who were like yeah. permanently like you know there but like there are no good guys in the ancient world that's the th- like there are and you know it's all relative but my point is like when we were when we read um the like peloponnesian war yeah when the athenians take over a city they kill all the men enslave all the women and burn it down like that's that's what they do and the spartans do the same thing and so do the persians and like, yeah like the ancient world was just like a very different place and like this was all like legal and justified they had they had this idea which was like the law of conquest, which is basically like finders keepers for cities. Like it's kind of like manifest destiny or whatever in, yeah, in the states. How you know about that? Yeah, it's like just having a phrase that like describes it doesn't yeah. like, somehow is enough to make it okay. Like uh, well yeah. that, that again like that was the world that they lived in. Yeah, and again as yeah. modern people we have the luxury of like sitting back. So I'm not gonna like you know I don't think I have the grounds to like be like oh we're better than them you know. We don't live under constant threat like they did, but well, um, it's just interesting like how different the world was. We're definitely not better than them. I mean, there's still yeah. a lot of brutality going on today. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah the the people that I don't, don't want to like talk about the news on this part, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, there you know, there's still shit. There's still slavery. Yeah, tons, technically, tons. like you know, it's not millions. Of, there's more slave alive sponsored, today than but, ever. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of fucked up shit that happens. Yeah. But uh yeah, the the dynamic of of the helots and, and slavery was was really interesting and yeah. the way it was described in the book yeah. shine a lot of light I think on how it was sort of viewed by from what I understood there was kind of ways to like you were always going to be a slave but you could yeah. kind of raise your status as totally. a, as a slave yeah and th- yeah. that's kind of what happened to to the narrator of the book yeah he started out as kind of just you know cleaning pig slop and he ended up ha- being able to have a wife yeah and yeah. you know being the squire being like and... kind of a uh, having like a g- decent status for a slave yeah and and the um, thing is like th- so this narrator you know he grew up in some small some, yeah, town and mountain town when he was growing up like the archives attacked his town killed his parents mm-hmm. burned everything down you know like raped his cousin mm-hmm. and they like were feral children in the hills for yeah. months so if you're a spartan slave that will never happen to you exactly so that's a good a, point you know yeah. base level of safety that safety yeah. is, is kind of unprecedented like that's not guaranteed to anybody in the ancient world pretty much you know so you remember <laughs> later in the book he meets one of the guys who was like a bully when he was a feral kid who who was like they call him ball or whatever oh yeah know, yeah he, like later he was for a sure. soldier fighting for the spartans yeah yeah that was funny i don't know 
there's there's yeah there's a lot of moments like that in that book yeah there's characters stick around you know and they change and I don't know. Like it's the, cool. you know, relationship between Polynikes and Alexandros at the end, you know, when, you know, after the the first day or second day when Alexandros' face is all bruised up and his, like, jaw is, like, wired shut and Polynikes oh, yeah. is like, I thought you wouldn't fight. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was a crazy moment, too. Yeah. That, yeah. He's like, he apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry. I was so wrong about you. Yeah. And this guy's not an apologizer. No, yeah, not exactly. My impression. He basically hated Alexandros. Yeah. And he, Polynikes is a sick character, though. Yeah, he's, he's like, a badass. He's badass, dude. Yeah. He's the, the fastest guy there. He's like a multi sport Olympic, Olympian. Yeah. 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 That, is, that, that is cool, too, how, uh, I think not just in Spartan culture, but but in Greek culture in, in general, how that it was kind of the first civilization I think that we know of that had sort of like state sponsored sports programs, you know, for youth. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You know, you were kind of required to do sports like yeah, wrestling. I think that's and, very healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, important. especially in, in the Spartans, like they had their military training and they had their athletics training. And the standards were a lot higher because, um, mm-hmm. you know, like you're able to get through your your sports training in the U.S. You're able to get through pretty much any like academic thing with like the lowest possible standard, you know, like if you read people's papers, like, you know, if they go to a college or something like most people who graduate from like American education system are out of shape, can't write, can't do math. Can't do almost anything. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Sparta, you'd be thrown in a pit if you couldn't do any of these things, you know? No, yeah. And you'd, you'd be, at the very least, you'd be a loser, like, if, if you yeah. didn't do any... Well, yeah. I mean, in terms of the Spartan society, yeah, you'd probably be thrown to the pits. If yeah, you like, you gotta, you you gotta figure it out, like... Yeah, you gotta figure something out. Cause but like, I think there were, you know, kids that were, like, more better at music than yeah. sports or whatever. and. That we should say like that was a highly valued skill too. Yeah, even was. even in the Spartans, yeah, like they sure. they had to be able to recite all the the songs, mm-hmm. all like the war songs and uh, like their classic you know poems and stuff. Yeah, and they had to be able to play instruments. Every kid, every boy. Like, but but that's what I like is like you know Alexandros. He's not really like built for war. He's more musical and you know fine exactly. Teacher. But he pushed himself and he he crossed like that standard and like. You know, he grew from that. And the kids who are, like, you know, meatheads who can't play any music, they have to they have to figure it out. Yeah. You know, I think it's healthy to, like, have a standard where people are pushed to, like, actually reach their potential, you know? People have potential, I think. You know? I, I see a lot or saw a lot of uh, myself in that character in Alexandria. Really? Cause, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because, you know, I always wanted to be a martial artist, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I never liked fighting. I don't like fighting. I don't like being... I don't like altercation, really, even. That surprises you know? me. D- does it? It's, yeah. it? it surprises a lot of people. Yeah. I'm I'm sweet, dude. You are. That's true. I, I, don't, I'm, <laughs> I don't like hurting people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, there's times I get mad and I, I you know, I want to... Like, if I'm rolling, if somebody, like, accidentally, like, elbows me or something. Yeah, like, for sure. It's yeah. human nature. I felt that a little bit on Friday. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you get pissed and you're like, I'm going to this guy you know yeah yeah and you know sometimes with friends or whatever you a bad side comes out of you but in general i yeah i just i just i don't like confrontation at all so 
but I wanted to be a martial artist, so I had to kind of like find ways to channel that, even though it was yeah. uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Or yeah. whatever. You you know but, like the weird thing I find about that is um, well I see why you see yourself in in Alexandros with that. Yeah. You know? That's right. why jujitsu is healthy though, because you know it stretches you in that way. I also, I feel like I was more of, of an artsy guy, kind of, yeah, you know? Yeah, Like, I like to paint the Warhammer models. I yeah, like, yeah. I, but, I, you know, to be honest, I was never good at art or anything either, so. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like with that, it's like a lot of, like, practice and role models, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's it's yeah. guidance and, I mean, yeah. I, always, I always had an appreciation for music, though, and for for the art of writing especially yeah, yeah. Is, is a huge one it's a huge skill you should do a sub stay uh what is that uh i think eugene has one it's like an online newsletter and people will like pay to subscribe dude that'd be i i, I did medium for a while i have some medium articles but they're all about python actually oh nice they're all about those, those can be helpful yeah i yeah. i started doing it kind of before i got a job just to like have something i could show yeah. Or it's like, yeah, yeah, I also have a blog about Python or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that can be uh, helpful, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, but I wanted to, to write more different stuff on there. Yeah. Too. Like, maybe things about jujitsu or... That would be cool. Or, yeah. like, weight loss was something I, I researched a lot for a long time because I had yeah. people that were close to me who struggled with weight loss. And yeah, yeah. I went through, like, sort of a crazy weight... I mean, I used to be like 205, not oh, really? 170. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, dur- during COVID. Yeah, because I was powerlifting and stuff. Oh, nice, nice. You know, and I just ate whatever I wanted. So I got up to, to about 205. Nice. What, uh, what, which what, is what, like, huge for me. What lifts were you? Like, what, what were you, like your best lifts at that time? Yeah, I mean, I never ended up really PRing because by the time, first of all, my coach kind of like moved. Yeah. And then jujitsu was also starting to come back. So yeah. I started to focus more on 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 jujitsu. Yeah. But I think my squat was like two fifty, which oh, wasn't that good. good. Uh it's all relative, but that's that's good. I mean for as far as jujitsu, that's heavier than almost anyone you're gonna go against. Yeah. I got up to two hundred with the bench, which which is That's good nice. too. Yeah. And I think the deadlift was was I think it was less than four hundred. 380 or nice maybe four yeah 405 or something yeah the, the best i ever got with deadlift was like 365 for like like four reps or something yeah well for four reps that's good yeah that's really yeah. good it was actually. good for me i was excited I was yeah like, for four reps 365 that's a lot if you cross 315 it feels like okay so heavy this is cool yeah yeah it, it, it is cool yeah deadlifting is fucking cool yeah yeah but it, it's it's yeah, I just got I just got way too big. Powerless. I think yeah. if I went back and did it now and, you know, just didn't eat too much, I'd still would feel stronger and yeah. stuff, but like that that's sort of the point of powerlifting is you kind of have to build mass to like yeah. to lift more, to have the leverage to like move those huge weights, you know. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what what the Spartans approach to to like strength lifting. training. Yeah, yeah, strength yeah that's training a great was. question. I think they probably did a lot of calisthenics. Yeah. Yeah, I bet uh, they did. Because I, I don't know if they had actual weights that they lifted. I wonder if they did, like, buddy carries, you know? Where they're, like, carrying their friend. And, yeah, like, maybe. You know? Like, squatting. And so it'd be so cool to go back in time and, and see them, like, working out. Or yeah. I would really want to see 
what a wrestling match back then looked like. Yeah, that that's an interesting question because they did this like so much from such a young age, you know. Yeah, there's there's a term that Stephen Pressfield talks about. Yeah, when he, and he when he was talking about, if it, I don't remember if it was like if it was wrestling or or boxing, uh, but actually I did have it bookmarked only because I thought this word. He described this word, and I thought um, it would be like a cool name for a jujitsu gym. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I'll I'll just I'll read a little excerpt here. The king used the Greek word akonide, whose application is customarily customarily to wrestling, boxing, and the pancreation, when a victor overthrows his opponent so swiftly that the bout fails even to that the bout fails even to raise the dust of the arena. He is said to have triumphed Akinite in a no duster. That's awesome. That so would it's be like a great it's like you pin somebody jump. so fast that there's no because they they would fight in like a sand pit. Yeah. Right. So you pin somebody so fast that there, there's no not even any dust that comes up from the arena. That's insane. Which would be a sick name for. That would be a sick name. But like, but nobody would understand it is the problem, you know. That's okay though, like, cause look at like Atos, right? Like nobody knows what that means. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's probably just a name. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. There's Ares, Ares Academy, which is obviously the Greek god of war. But that that's like a little basic, you know. It's, yeah, it's definitely not like as cool deeper, as Akinite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Akinite Jiu-Jitsu. But it's like hard to pronounce, dude. It's like people, how do I say that word? You could take that quote and like stick it on a poster on the yeah. wall, and then it like explains what it is. And then the bar is just set so high, like, you know? That's like true. Everyone has to just go. Yeah, everybody has to win super fast. <laughs> Flying armor. Boom. I, I lost this way in one of my matches in my last tournament. <laughs> like, guillotine choke in, like, 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> when I was reading this, I was like, shit. Yeah, it's like, what happened to me? <laughs> Don't worry, it's happened to me, too. That's for sure, yeah. I think it happens to everybody at some point. You know, you know that's the thing with jiu-jitsu. It's like, you can get caught super quick. Yeah, yeah. So like, people don't really think people who who watch MMA and stuff, uh, you know, you think of striking with yeah. uh, like that's when people think of that one punch sort of knockout yeah. type of thing where somebody could be winning, you know, a boxing match the whole time, dominating the other guy and just take one shot and just lights out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's the same thing with jujitsu. Like you could be winning the whole match in thirty seconds, you can get submitted. Yeah. You know. So I guess yeah, that's one thing that people don't think about as much. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it doesn't happen as often, I think, as it does in like a striking sport. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, because in a striking sport, you can have like the puncher's chance where you have someone totally who sucks. But they get a lucky punch. Like whereas in jujitsu and grappling, you don't really get a lucky arm bar, you know. But two good grapplers can you can there can be a reverse. Can have this. like a quick arm bar that's like normally I would beat this guy, but he fucking caught me that day. Yeah, yeah. You know like, that sounds that horrible. happens. Yeah. Um, but to go back to what you were saying about the lucky punch, I think it it would be the same. I think that would never happen with with a with a very skilled striker. Yeah. Like, someone who's invested as much time as, as I have invested into grappling, invest that into striking. Yeah. Like, those guys, you know, 
there's no lucky you're punch not gonna touch them yeah for them you know it's they're gonna see it coming and yeah you know. they're master i mean striking is a whole complex art you know there's yeah. things i i don't see when i'm watching like high level striking that only high level strikers would see and it's same thing with with grappling right yeah. there's some things that i i would see that people who don't invest that time i'm just not gonna see yeah. not gonna see but people more think of that as um uh they more think of that for grappling like yeah, the casual definitely. the casual yeah. mma fan they, that's why so many people want to see they the casual fan like thinks they understand striking way better than they understand grappling right but they really don't yeah like they don't understand what's going on like setups on setups yeah you know yeah that's a good point like checking yeah. a kick you know the yeah. timing all that like the action all reaction. the setups yeah. yeah even just like the way they're circling cutting angles and stuff there's yeah. there's such a uh such it's so skill-based yeah you know it would be like really cool to do you know do some of that but again the finite the finitude i don't have time i see you have hand wraps yeah yeah i've been wanting to try to go in for like high, let me see this can i see this something yeah They're, those are interesting wraps dude thanks they're like they look kind of like a i've never seen a greek mosaic or something yeah like they have <laughs> they're purple too which is cool this Velcro is very hefty. Yeah, Hayabusa makes good stuff. Do you know what length these are? I don't. Yeah. I don't. Maybe 36 inches? They're the, they're the, I think they're the, the Muay Thai ones, the longer ones. Yeah. I've been wanting to try to go like go do like a day of striking per week or something just for fun and interest. Yeah. But I haven't like really gotten around to it. I did it one day in the last few months. Um, it's, Muay Thai's fun, man. It's, it's a yeah. great way to... Uh, stay in shape like yeah. the cool thing about muay thai or, or even boxing and stuff is you you know usually the way it works for people that don't know is is you're partnered up with somebody else in the class kind of like jujitsu but uh you know somebody holds pads and the other person has their gloves and they do that for a round and the coach will give a combination or whatever yeah to for you to practice mm -hmm. And so you hit pads with your buddy and then you guys switch after a round and then you're holding the pads and your buddy is, uh, you know, throwing the combos. Yeah, yeah. But the cool thing is even when you're holding pads, it's a workout too. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, So you're you're constantly tired when and you're training. Like understanding the distance a little bit and like the movement a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I used to train Muay Thai quite a bit. Yeah, um, I wish our... our uh, kickboxing classes at Desert Hour. Yeah, it's so, yeah, seven thirty is too late. It's way too late for you. Yeah. For for most people. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I it's it's good. I, I uh before COVID started I would hit pads like once a week too. Yeah. Just to supplement yeah. my my training. It's really good cardio. Yeah. Um and it's fun too. And yeah, that's it, important. It's, it, like the one time I did go, like it, it, it was really fun, and I also just feel like it would be fun to. I feel like with the your jujitsu, if you just do like a little bit of striking and a little bit of stand up grappling, you have a very well rounded like skill set. 
I mean, you're never going to exactly. need it, but you in, might as well. In a practical kind of situation. You yeah, mean, like yeah. for self-defense purposes, you know. It is. Yeah. It's it's good to, to, to train some striking. Yeah. Just to build those muscles even. Yeah, yeah. You know, those punching muscles. I also feel like for standing movements in jiu-jitsu, like if you can like kind of move around like a striker, you know, like, you know, you have your whatever, like circle steps or like, like for the like, you know, Toriando and stuff, like if you're coming in and then doing like a circle. Muay Thai trains those types of movements really well. Yeah, I mean, my Muay Thai coach taught me, because, you know, in Muay Thai you also train in the clinch Yeah, a lot, and he taught me some stuff I, I use in, like, grappling clinches. Really? You know, yeah, like oh, pushing cool. pushing the face, when somebody has, like, like, the Muay Thai plum, Yeah. you know, both hands on the back of your head, Yeah. to like, reach in and push their chin, and, like, y- your arm's in the way, so it's hard for them to, like, uppercut you and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's there's little tricks like that that yeah, Muay Thai really focuses on the clinch, so that's also good for grappling. Yeah, that does come back around. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I I hit I hit pads with Paul. I don't know, you you know Paul, right? Uh, I don't. I actually don't think I do. The bald guy. Which one? Uh, (laughs) the one that's not Ryan. Okay. I don't. He doesn't come to our classes. That wait, is he? Is he um, an older guy? He's an older guy. Yeah, I think. Wait, with the Japanese traditional tattoo. Japanese traditional tattoo. I don't think he has a tattoo. Okay. Yeah. Who are you talking about? I like that guy. He he's like. uh, I think he might be a purple belt or a brown belt. Eric. Newman. No, Eric. I know because he's always at lunch class. Yeah, Eric Newman. Yeah. Yeah. This guy on on the Saturday class, I see him sometimes, where he's like. You know, one of the the older guys, and he talks a lot of shit. He's like nice, yeah. Huh. Japanese. He's nice, but he talk, talks a lot of shit. Yeah. Typical, typical uh, explanation of people in that gym. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're nice, but they talk a lot of shit. I'm I'm so annoyed because I feel I feel like I know who you're talking about, but it's not manifesting in my brain right now. Yeah, he might be like a scientist of some kind, maybe. Is he there often, or was he just visiting? He's there often on some days. Like, not he never comes to lunch classes. Oh. Yeah, but he he's there Saturday and sometimes in the mornings. He he he's there with Marty. He like it seems like he's like tight with Marty. Not Costa, right? Costa no, Ca- Costa. Costa is like a, a tough. Speaking role. of Greeks. Yeah. Anyways, who who cares? Yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a little sidetrack. Yeah, 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 a little sidetrack. Going back to the book. Yeah, what did you think of the ending? Should we talk about that, or should we not, like, spoil it for people? Maybe we don't spoil it for people. Yeah. Yeah, it was sad. It, it, yeah, of course it's sad. Yeah. I mean, obviously most people know how the the story of the 300 ends yeah, yeah but there there's more to the end of this book yeah it's worth it's very worth reading well maybe i don't know no actually yeah maybe we just yeah yeah, it I, I yeah i think we leave yeah. it because th- this book out of all the books we've done on this podcast this is going to be the one where it's not going to be a painful read yeah it's, it's not it's not going to be like you're going to have to drag yourself through it it's a page turner there's a lot of value in it um, so I suspect this is one that a lot of people will actually pick up. You know, yeah, whereas, and it's yeah. it's dense too, though, and it's very philosophical. So if you're still looking to like scratch that itch, it, it has that in there, too. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, it, it definitely has depth, and I would say on leadership lessons too. I mean, that's something we didn't touch on because there's so much in here. But yeah, you know, so much on like good leadership. When Leonidas talks about like what it is to be a true king, yeah, and how like a tr- true king fights with his people, yeah, and doesn't yeah. like sit back in a tent, yeah, and like yeah, it, they, ah, we should have had that that quote highlighted, but uh. Yeah, there's there's a part specifically. I think it's towards the end too, when sort of yeah everybody's kind of starting to. It's they're gonna go for the last push. Yeah, you know, and and he's like, I'm I'm gonna die with you guys, you know. But uh, yeah, there there are a lot of uh, good leadership, and it really. Have you read um, Extreme Ownership? By oh, I love that Willow? book. Yeah, that's that's one of the best like i i hesitate to say self-help because i feel like it's not really a self-help book yeah but that's one of the best sort of in like self-informing kind of motivational books i've ever same read it taught me like taught me so many good lessons yeah yeah and i you see that in this book a lot like that's what i was gonna say it's it's totally embodied by leonidas's character yeah the values in of extreme ownership and uh that this was written before that book was written yeah you know, which is interesting yeah because those so. are kind of evergreen like virtues you know yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah I, love, so. I love extreme ownership I, I love in that book where he just like it cuts through the noise so much you know where it's like you know if you're planning a picnic or whatever and it rains you know whose fault is it that the picnic got screwed up it's your fault because you can't control the weather but you could have planned to do it on a different day you could have brought an umbrella like whatever it is like you have to ask yourself first like what could you have done and there's always something you could have done you know it it seems like such obvious advice but after i read that book and i started seeing patterns um yeah. in work and, and like other other places too so many people don't do that yeah don't yeah. take extreme ownership don't 100%. they everybody tries to blame a problem or a mistake on, yeah. on something else or somebody else and it creates yeah. a cycle of blame. And it, yeah, there's so much value in, in being able to admit where you were wrong and yeah. take ownership for things. Yeah. You know? And th- the way he relates it to like war stories to when he was yeah. uh, a Navy SEAL and stuff is really cool. Yeah, for sure. For there's sure. a lot of. Because I, I guess like the message of that book could be read in, in a blog, but it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't have to be a. 250 page book but yeah. it's worth because of the the stories he relates to like yeah. his past and how he gives examples of each sort of tenant yeah 100 percent. there's a lot of like subtle subtle dynamics with it you know that like come through in the book like like taking let's say like you know something bad's happening on your team um and you're like okay i'm gonna take ownership and you take ownership and then everyone blames you and you're like but i took ownership you know in that book he's like no the point is you actually take ownership like yeah it is your fault yeah <laughs> you know? you're not yeah. you're not saying it's your fault <laughs> no, no, it's your fault like yeah. you have to suck it up and deal with it yeah yeah you know so those like weird subtle mind games you know like he goes into those well yeah yeah i i, I try to uh embody that sort of mentality uh when i teach jujitsu. yeah um 
not necessarily not necessarily extreme ownership, but what we were talking about with uh, Leonidas, like yeah. I hate when coaches. I mean, obviously it's different when you're you're old, yeah, and you can't roll anymore. But when right. coaches don't roll with their students, yeah, that's you a, know, like I, I want to be out there thing. like training with you guys, you know, yeah, yeah, like like really out in the fray and not just teaching you and just sitting there and, and kind of being looking bored or whatever yeah yeah that makes a big difference do you, you think so i, I oh, hope yeah, i hope people sure. appreciate it i don't know if sometimes it gets overlooked or maybe it would be easier if i just didn't do that so i could like so i could watch people more i, well, I feel like the, the information you get when you roll with us is more than you would get if you were just what just watching yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and for the camaraderie and like you know also like yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And there's yeah. nobody I wouldn't roll with, too. Like, there's some black belts and higher belts out there that, uh, like, don't roll with white belts. Yeah, And I yeah. just think that's so dumb. Like, I just... I don't know. The uh, There's a big, you know, idea that to be a high... To be high level, you have to roll with high level guys. Yeah. But I think... I want to build build people into high level guys you know yeah and then that when you guys get better i'll get better and yeah i just think it's a better way of looking at it yeah you 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 sound like mikey musumechi really yeah he he trains with like hobbyists i never finished that podcast yeah yeah that was i didn't finish it either but like he got he was talking about how like he doesn't oh, train he in trains in his, his garage, but that's not yeah. true. He's been to a lot of competitive. Gyms. Oh, really? He's just yeah. He, like... tra- he used to train with Kaya all the time. He's... Oh, okay. There yeah, you go. yeah. I mean, yeah. but uh, like now he trains with hobbyists, and I okay. totally agree with sometimes with his mindset of, yeah. of like sometimes competitors are just they're there just punch it's the like clock. a nine to five, yeah. yeah. And but I don't know. Maybe it's just the wrong competitors, too. You just need to, like... To, you, you, I think his point is you need to find an environment in a gym that's not negative. Yeah. Where people aren't really trying to... Especially for, for like, for Mikey, who's a, a smaller guy. You yeah, know? yeah. And you big guys, like, oh, I want to... I, I passed Mikey Musumeci, or I tapped Mikey Musumeci. You know? Right, like, right. I don't know. He's going to put, like, needless wear, wear and tear on him. yeah. And just yeah. sometimes just the energy is bad. Yeah. So it's better to, to have people that you trust. and. Yeah. And But, it, of course, you have to step out of your comfort zone, too. But he's done that a million times. I mean, he competes more than as much as any active competitor, you know, probably more, you know. Yeah. He com- uh, Mike competes a lot, that guy. He reminds me of Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, because he's kind of, like, smaller kinda and he has that, like, nerdy yeah, yeah. vibe. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a good uh, representative of the sport of jiu-jitsu, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think all, all the all the famous guys are, really. I don't have anything bad to say about any, any of them. Gordon Ryan? A lot of people hate on Gordon Ryan. Yeah, he's pretty controversial. Yeah, but, you know, why, though? I don't know, because he, like, talks a lot of shit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the athletes talk shit, you know? Yeah, but, you know, he's not... I'm sure if you met him, he's a nice guy. I'm sure he is. Yeah. I'm sure he's humble. You kind of have to talk shit to, to like make it more interesting. Yeah. And he, he makes it unique. And I'm not saying like it's fake. It's real. 
you know, and some of it is mean, but yeah. you need to have thick skin if you're going to be in a sport like that, or just in life, you need to have thick skin. Yeah. You can't, yeah. like, let somebody grabbing the mic and saying, like, those the state of jiu-jitsu is f- fucking terrible, like, offend you, you know? Yeah. But I, I felt bad for, for um, uh, Pedro in, in, uh, in his last, in Gordon's last fight. Did you, did you watch that I, at all? I didn't see that one, no. Yeah, he, like, had, just had him mounted the whole time, and he was, like, noogieing him and stuff. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, yeah I just felt, I was like, dude, sucks. you don't need to, to humiliate like, him like that. Yeah. And he's... He's a freaking good competitor. He beat Craig Jones, the Pedro Mourinho or whatever, yeah. the guy that um, Gordon fought. But he's why nobody wants to fight Gordon, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, but you probably it's probably worth fighting him, even if you get embarrassed, because you learn something. You, you know? learn something, and your uh, audience grows and all that. Yeah, throw your head in the ring. Yeah, but. You know, that goes back a little bit to that Spartan uh, tradition of, like, you know, the whole Council of Elders, like, hurls insults at um, the younger Spartiates because it's, like, you know, build a thick skin. You know, you need to be able to, like, take this and not re- react. That that scene totally reminded reminded me of, of Arjun. <laughs> <laughs> of Leo and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I feel like Sarah is like a very, very like warm and welcoming gym, but also yeah. there's a lot of shit talking for sure. Yeah, but, but it's, it's never, it's, it's never mean spirited. It's all friendly, it's always, right? Like, yeah, right away. It's, yeah, it's all always friendly. It's never mean spirited. No, agree, at, at least agree. for me. I mean, of course, if you know, if you take breaks, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna make fun of you. You know, I'm gonna say, no, that's hey, good. good. You know, yeah. you should get back into it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there, there are, there are times where it's. It's different, you know. Some people don't have that thick skin. Yeah, but that's that's a filter, you know. Exactly. It's not a good fit with the culture. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned like council of elders and stuff, and because uh, that's kind of how the Spartan government kind of worked. They had the E fours. Yeah, yeah. We were like a council, and I always think about how <laughs> how Joe Rogan always <laughs> used to say that. Uh, our government needs to be like a council of elders yeah. and, not, and and not a president because it's an impossible job to do or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's kind of like how the Greeks did it. They had kings, but the E4s kind of had had most of the power right. to, to make decisions. And I also feel like the Supreme Court is kind of a council of elders, isn't it? Yeah. And they have a lot of power, obviously. They are, and, and, and their role is very constrained, you know, which, I mean, depends that's on true. how you interpret it, but... Which is a good thing, right? Where they're like, hey, here are the principles, here's the constitution. We're not just going to do whatever we want. Like, we have some limiting, you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, they have gone way out of the lines before, you know. Have they? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, any, any ruling the Supreme Court has made that's, like, not directly related to the constitution is, like, an overstep, in my opinion, some to a certain degree. Like, do you know an example? I'm just curious. I don't know, like... Yeah, so th- I don't know much about this. This is a controversial one, and it's like complicated. So I'm not gonna like you know put my opinion out on this one. But okay, like, with sure. Roe v. Wade, right? Yeah, the Constitution has nothing on abortion. I don't understand. How- oh, that's a good point. That's that's the whole challenge, right? That's a great. I never even thought about that. Yeah, 
I don't understand how that got like brought back to the Supreme Court after it already had been ruled on. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I know, I'm sorry. I'm super naive. I think it's just it's, like constant lawsuits by like pro-life groups, you know. And one finally like broke it. through. Like, how, it, my my impression is they they've been suing like every single year since that happened, like as Holy much as crap. they can. Because that's how things have to get to the Supreme Court, right? It has yeah. to be like a court case that goes up and up and up. Yeah, and it has to be like appealed and appealed yeah, and appealed. appealed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so crazy. We should try to sue to get in the Supreme Court. I don't know what Dude, we'd sue on. I don't know either. Just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll save that for after. Okay, deal. We can look up some options. <laughs> Spartans had abortions. Post, yeah, mandatory. Post mandatory post-birth abortions. So crazy. The most liberal society in history. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's what people say about Greeks, right? That they were like, you know, they were fairly liberal for with sex and all that. They were a very Same. interesting society. You know, yeah. like they were liberal with sex, and they also had a lot of like different viewpoints. Like they had a lot of skepticism. Like, in the in the final scene where they're all about to die, like, some people believe in God, some mm-hmm. people believe there's nothing afterwards, like, and there's there's this interesting, like, acceptance of, to a certain extent, heterodoxy. Huh. Yeah. Though they also killed people, like Socrates, for yeah. the youth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always wonder, like, if, how, to what degree the average person actually, like, believed in the gods and stuff. Yeah. Back then, I mean, you know, of course, when you're talking about ancient Greece, you're talking about a, a span of hundreds of years, right? Not just yeah. one sort of. You know, it's not like the 1800s. What were people like in the 1800s? It's like when you're asking that question, how were ancient Greeks? It's like you have to look at a very long time scale. Time scale, mm-hmm. right? So there's there must have been a lot of change. Yeah. Somewhat because, you know, I know they definitely embraced a lot of philosophy um and stuff but i wonder that like, there's so much depth to greek mythology yeah too for sure and i wonder if it, if greek mythology for them it was more like especially stories about like theseus and the minotaur and, and yeah. things like that and troy and all that uh, that were sort of the way we tell stories about our like our founding fathers. It wasn't really even a re- like a religious thing. It was more sort of something they believed to induce like a feeling of nationalism. It could be yeah. right, like yeah. like the, yeah, you know. It it definitely could be. I mean, I think human beings, like to a certain extent, have this like religious or superstitious impulse. So I suspect the average person. I suspect the average person even today. Um, has more, like, quasi-religious behaviors than they, like, would admit to, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, religious, yeah, no, I I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. People have a tendency to think they're not religious, even though they have sort of some... Like, pseudo-religious... Pseudo-religious sort of belief, like, superstitions. Yeah, yeah. Is a big... I'm superstitious superstitious sam i can be for sure yeah like i dude there's so many little things um knocking on wood knocking on wood i do i do that yeah there's certain there's certain um 
songs that I've listened to and something bad happened after and I don't listen to those songs anymore. Yeah, I have certain albums I don't listen yeah, to. Like, I, yeah, like I think it's bad luck or something. Yeah. It's in 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 it's so irrational. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like I have friends that are like why are you like that? It's But they're it's, like that too in some ways. In like, some ways probably. I, I, in my opinion, the only people who can like fully extinguish that are like, you know, Buddhist monks. Mm-hmm. Like if you meditate yourself into complete like, you know, uh, detachment then you can like because it's a very like fundamental thing i think for human beings to be pattern seeking meaning seeking um to eradicate that takes takes a lot yeah it's what, not it's not enough to just say it it's not enough to just be like i'm not religious i'm not superstitious you know what do you think about sort of the dichotomy between just that feeling you know that feeling when you meditate a lot that you're so like you said kind of detached and you get to a point where you just have this glow and things yeah. kind of deflect off of you and nothing really matters i feel like that after i do a lot of yoga yeah too. for sure yeah um but the dichotomy of that and and having to function in society in in a high paced society yeah do you think you need to find I think you you'd probably, you have to find like a middle ground, right? I think if you go too extreme, too deep into meditation, even meditation, yeah. people say meditation is a healthy thing, Yeah. but if you do it too much, you can get too detached. Yeah. You know, I've seen people like do, do all this like Kundalini yoga. You know what that is? Uh, is that like a type of meditation? Type it's, thing? it's type of yoga yeah. where they do a lot of breathing exercises sort of to like stimulate the brain. And some people yeah. say they even could have. Like psychedelic, psychedelic I've, I've heard that aspect of it yeah uh, yeah where it actually consists of my dad had a nurse that like went uh what's the word not schizophrenic but like like had a psychotic break from, from, from yeah interesting it, yeah so that does attest to its psychedelic qualities <laughs> so it's i know right yeah so it's it's kind of i think it goes back to having a, uh, a medium, you know? Yeah. Like a, a common ground, not a common ground, but not being too extreme in one way or the other. Yeah. Like if you do too much of anything, it's bad for you, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the meditation one is, is interesting because there's this concept called casualties of the Dharma. So in Buddhism, like the Buddhist teachings are like called the Dharma. Mm-hmm. And the idea of casualties of the Dharma is exactly what you're saying. Like someone who meditates 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 but their life falls apart they miss like key opportunities to do things like have a career oh. have a family yeah. and like all they have is like this you know you know kind of spiritual pursuit but like they've kind of missed a point in a way yeah you know um and also like with with um with meditation and stuff in the Pali canon which is like this set of texts like on Buddhism, I don't know if it's by the Buddha or by like early Buddhists, mm-hmm. but they have a part where they say like, enlightenment if it's in the wrong context can be like an incantation gone wrong or like a mishandled snake, you know, where it's like, it can actually be a bad thing, like you're saying. Yeah. I didn't know that 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 was like actually written about in Buddhism. Yeah, it's interesting. That right? that's really interesting. That's a powerful description. The ca- of casualty kind. of the Dharma. Yeah, that's what it's called. That's yeah. It's cool that they actually thought out that concept. Yeah, it's like you're saying, I mean, like, all this detachment, like, it's like such a double-edged sword. 
so how's your meditation practice like what does it look like 10 minutes a day these days just okay i've had so you times sit, where i do longer but just um, sit and kind of breathe focus on your breath or yeah yeah i've had yeah. times where i I, yeah, I use the waking up app mm-hmm. um, I i've heard of it app, i don't dude. know it's just like guided meditations so is it usually in the morning or i, I like doing it first thing mm-hmm. yeah though i've had periods where i like suck at it um I, i've had periods where i'm really on it and i've had periods where i really suck at it yeah i think that's normal yeah yeah and the periods where i suck at it i really regret because like i don't know i feel like it's really helpful for me yeah as long as long as you do your best i mean again it goes back to the thing we've been talking about since the beginning of how much time to allocate to certain things throughout the day yeah it's like do i want to spend 10 minutes meditating or 10 minutes doing duolingo learning a language like what yeah what's better how how's that triage work you know yeah you have to find out for yourself you know well and a walk or a workout can can achieve the same purpose as long as you're like you know not going in like thought loops like that's the point right Mm -hmm. so you don't need to do like this narrow thing necessarily yeah Yeah. i I think like that type of meditation that you're talking about is Mm -hmm. so beneficial though just just sitting with your thoughts and and breathe i mean i used to think that to meditate you need to like clear your mind yeah completely but i there is like a saying in, in i think it's from zen buddhism yeah where it talks about only only a brick can sit there with an empty mind oh like that's if, a if, helpful thing yeah, yeah. If, if if you have an empty mind you're just a brick yeah like you can't you you can't ignore your thoughts you have to sit with them and acknowledge them and then go back to your breath like push them aside yeah yeah and like med- that type of meditation is a really good practice to sort of analyzing what you're feeling on the inside yeah you know, having that time with yourself yeah that you won't get from like the things i talked about before cooking and walking and jujitsu because you're focused on one thing which yeah. is a meditation but it's yeah different than than like zen or i i think it can be i think it can be the same i think it can be similar um i think it just depends on how you approach it okay partially, yeah you know yeah yeah because like the main thing i think is like as long as you're not tying yourself into thought loops as long as you're not like getting in your head and like thinking about thoughts, then I think like and not like ignoring all thoughts, but you know what I mean. Like, if you're like off on some crazy rabbit hole, and you're just like you know ten levels deep, um, that's at some point you hit a point where what you're engaging with is no longer reality, because you're just thinking about a thought that's based on a thought that's based on another thought. And somewhere like way down this chain, it's like reality, and reality is a lot simpler than whatever you're, whatever you've concocted. Yeah. So if you take a walk or like cook, and you you cut that off, and you're like, okay, what is there really right now? There's like sensations in my body. There's like this meal I'm cooking. That's a good, yeah. That still achieves the same purpose, you know. Yeah. It 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 reminds me of of the Diana Keys thing too, yeah. like not opening certain doors yeah and and how he would try to uh get uh the soldiers to like do stuff yeah while, yeah, while exactly. they're, they're they're waiting to, yeah. to fight mm-hmm. so it keeps your mind off of you know the bad thing and then once you finally get there you haven't like totally overthought it and you're 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I imagine preparing for war, especially especially this type of war, you know, super oh, yeah. hand-to-hand. For sure. Combat. Uh, yeah. T- just the way he describes the, the battle, uh, like the, not the battle scene, but the, the battle um, landscape and stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Like dead bodies everywhere, Piles rivers of dead bodies, rivers of blood and, and shit. You know the part where like, Zio like you know falls into a pile of dead bodies and like they're like grabbing at him. Like some people are half alive yeah. and like someone stabs him with like a shard of a broken sword yeah. or something. And he gets like pulled out by his friend and he's like, "What are you looking for down there?" So like, that was, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah what are you looking for down there? <laughs> it's like you might want to get out of there, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know those descriptions are are um, are insane. Like the only thing I've heard of in modern times like that is like Jocko's podcast. There's an episode for about people in Mac VSOG, which is like this like um, special forces unit in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and they had almost like a hundred percent casualty rate. They'd go into like Laos and stuff and do these missions where it's like ten of them against like hundreds of enemy soldiers. And they had, like, piles of bodies and, like, crazy, insane situations. Oh, for sure. I mean, don't, like, there there was some f- fucked up shit even in, in modern, in, you know, like, Afghanistan and stuff. Yeah. I had a, a training partner um, and friend yeah. who was deployed in the Marines. Yeah. And his friend literally, just, like, had his legs blown off right in front of him. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you can't waste any time. And... The thing, like, they were on top of a building, and uh, he stepped on, what's it called, like, an IUD, IUD, Um, and, like, the building caved in. Oh, yeah. And so, my friend, like, you know, woke up with, like, rubble on him. Yeah. And stuff, and then... It's insane. Had to, to immediately just had to patch his friend up, who's missing legs. Yeah. So, you know, there's no pretty war no for ever sure. for sure yeah <laughs> but you, you know i can imagine um there's just some particular brutalities and sort of th- this type of of warfare like shield it's like front front i don't know they just like get thrown into this like machine, yeah this killing just, machine <laughs> you know yeah yeah and it went like when you're in the middle of the line you can't run backwards right you can't there's nothing you can really do it's like a mosh pit yeah yeah it's like that's a good example a mosh pit it's like a mosh pit and like that's where the discipline is so like so much of a differentiator where if you're able to stay like calm and like follow your training like the spartans like they have the same fear as other people but yeah like they trust they trust that everyone knows what to do and we're gonna do it and the other guys you know like they start panicking and now they're falling on each other and it's just like complete chaos you know i think that's a really important point and i think that's one of the main points that the author is trying to make yeah is that the spartans didn't weren't necessarily less fearful than anybody else they just trusted the process of their training yeah and they were more prepared for the catastrophe yeah and all that yeah so (laughs) have you thought about um like rewatching 300 yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah you should it's it's interesting to watch after reading this book yeah, I feel like this book uh, is just like, I don't know, the like nobility and like depth of this book is so much beyond 300, but I love 300 too. Yeah, it, like it's 300 is actually not that bad 
Yeah. Like, in terms of historic... Of course, there's some stuff that never happened, and yeah. there's some quotes that, um, you know, like the, the moment um, when Leonidas is like, what is your profession? And they all start pounding, and he's yeah. basically he's making the point that we brought more soldiers than you guys did. You guys are all just potters, and yeah, that's an actual uh, quote. Yeah, but it it was not said by Leonidas. It was said okay. by a different Spartan king on a different campaign. Okay, I forget the the name exactly, but that's cool. Uh, you know, like the the tonight we dine in hell thing. That yeah. I think that was also from. I mean, he didn't say it like that in the histories, but yeah. Uh, that was re- that was real, uh, quote unquote. The Spartans are like some of the most quotable like people. I know, right? It imagine being like th- thousands of years later, right? How how I don't know how old that I forget what date this. I think five hundred something it's BC, thousands. right? Yeah, I think it's um, thousands of years. Being known <laughs> for that still to yeah. this day. For, yeah, for that like, gives me goosebumps. Like that's I know, so crazy. And there's yeah. even a part when Leonidas is talking about that. He's yeah. like, "Listen, you know the Athenians. They're gonna be remembered for their stone structures. Yeah, for their philosophy or whatever. The Spartans. We're gonna be remembered for this <laughs> right now. Like this moment. The these yeah. moments where like, and it's true. Yeah, like." Think about how crazy that is. It's my. It's honestly mind boggling. Yeah. It's like there's there's no other army or group of people I can think of. There's known across the world for being like the most bravest people ever. Yeah, yeah, like the best warriors, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because like you're saying, it's something so ephemeral. Like the only way that this comes down to us is like by people talking about it. For people have been talking about this for. To, like you know 2000 plus years in order for us to be talking about this now whereas with the athenians like if you forget to talk about them you still have the acropolis you can go see it you know exactly that's yeah, yeah that's such a good point there's nothing really left of a uh, in terms of buildings and stuff yeah of spartan culture besides what's written down about them by other people observing yeah. them yeah you know of course i think they they find like statues and stuff from sparta and all that yeah of course they found like weapons and that's how they you know historians can extrapolate on what their armor and stuff was like back then but but that's not enough you know yeah yeah it's not like when you think about like the the tijayans who are like live right next to the spartans they're really brave too nobody knows about them that's true no that's a good point because it's just that Um, you know threshold you know you got to cross that threshold of remarkability and then, like, you just, like, register really hard, you know? It's it's moments like the 300, right, that really make it at stick. Uh, in Greek history and Greek ancient Greek culture is full of, of moments like that, too. I think they really valued that type of bravado. Like, yeah. almost untouchable Andrea, right? Like, the untouchable courage, untouchable bravado. I mean, even, even with stories like hercules the myth behind him and yeah for sure theseus Theseus, yeah like they they really valued that in their the iliad the odyssey yeah yeah Yeah. exactly so yeah and the morality was very like different in those two like if you think about you know 
the Bible, like, you don't have, like, you know, Jesus, like, raiding towns and, like, you know, burning stuff down. But, like, the heroes in the Iliad and the Odyssey, like, they're almost like anti-heroes a little bit, you know? Like, they, they have this, like, kind of raider, like, pirate, like, warrior kind of mentality that's... Totally. Yeah. I think there is some of that in the Bible, though, too. Oh, Especially yeah. the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I used to know a lot more about the Bible yeah. than I do now, but yeah there's definitely like some fucked up moments in the bible too where people get conquered and yeah yeah and that's shit. fair because it's old right it's yeah old it's Testament. old yeah it's what things were like you know but man gates of fire really reads like it's written by an ancient greek person you oh, know yeah like, <laughs> for sure but this guy like stephen presfield like he prays to the muses like he almost yes. is an ancient greek person <laughs> That's, I'm glad he brought that up from, that, remember he talks about that in, in uh, uh, The War of Art? Yeah. The War of Art, yeah. yeah. He's, he's for real. Like, he's he intense. Is, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever listen to him, uh, on the Tim Ferriss show? Oh, uh, I, I don't think so. Dude, you yeah. should. It's a good yeah. podcast. Yeah, maybe. He's a super yeah, interesting guy. I yeah. feel like that's very, like, useful in evergreen content. That whole battle with resistance is, like, a eternal thing. I should read that book again. That's yeah, one of those too. books you should go back to every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. Kind of like um, the Dale Carnegie one too. I, I I need to go back to that for sure. I think that's a helpful one. Is it how to how to win friends and influence people? Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So it's a lot of the things they say, he says in there are true. I haven't read that since college, but I yeah. I feel like I really should. There's a lot of value. I think the biggest yeah. thing I took away from that is. Uh, knowing people's names oh that's calling a, them yeah. by their name small and but it, it it's small but it, it's people. such a big difference <clears throat> so people like oh he remembered my name that's cool oh yeah i only met him once <laughs> and and the opposite oh man like, yeah when you some forget people don't people's care, but name. some people really don't like that no but even yeah. if you don't care it's still it sets up an environment where it 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 it's just not the environment you want to be in especially with work your boss doesn't know your your name oh, doesn't yeah. call you by your name or you don't know your coworkers' names like hey uh excuse me like what if you want to ask somebody a question you don't know their name or you don't right. call them by their name right. which it's common yeah. you know it's common i mean i even have a, a hard time remembering everybody at the gym's name yeah but i try to for you as an instructor that's like extra it's no. extra important yeah, it's and extra hard because you gotta remember everyone yeah but there's, you know, there's tricks. Yeah. Associate their face with their name somehow. Yeah. Like. Make up like a phrase. <laughs> your, yours was, you're easy because, well, first of all, you came pretty consistently. You come pretty consistently. And second of all, uh, you have a unique name. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, you were kind of, you know, you're, you're my age, kind of like. Right, you're right. My friend now too, you know, and. and yeah. That I feel like that relationship kicked off pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, cuz I knew I knew you were a cool guy pretty quickly. Oh, thanks. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I think it's more difficult Some when Some people who are less like, relatable. Yeah. yeah. So, also with people who are like come in, you know, like you said infrequently or in the night class. Yeah. They come for one like lunch class or Some people then, just have hard names to say, too. Yeah. Especially people that come to the night class. Like, there's a lot of uh, 
super traditional Asian names yeah. that are difficult for me to... Yeah. Like when I ask somebody their name and they're... I, I don't want to I don't want to say the actual names, but they say it, and I'm like, what? And they say it again. I'm like, sometimes I literally have to ask people how to spell. That can be their the name. easiest way. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. How do you spell it? Because then I sound it out, and I'm I just try to say it myself. Yeah, yeah. That can be the easiest way because, like, I think with vowels it can be tough, and like, yeah. also I think if if people are like have common sense, they probably just want something recognizable yeah you know so if you if you see the letters and like you spell it out that way it's probably like more than good enough you know there's there's a lot of languages though that that the letters don't make the sounds that they're supposed to english english English, yeah well but i'm thinking for example like vietnamese i was gonna say vietnamese yeah i have a friend from vietnam and his last name is yung it's pronounced yung but it's spelled like d-u- O N G Duong. I would never have guessed. Everybody that. calls him Duong. I would never have guessed that in the million years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So there's wow. like there's things that's like hard. that. You know, that's a that's a tough one. It also make it difficult. Dude, you just gotta lose the D at that point. Yeah, you gotta you gotta Ellis Island that a little bit, make it easier. <laughs> right. Ellis Island that, but it doesn't bother him. You know, I think so. Yeah, I think it just as long as you have a thick skin, like again, back to the thick skin, right? It's he has a, a normal first name, so it's not a big deal, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say normal. Like, some names are normal and some names are not. No, it might be very familiar. Familiar, yeah. 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 Um, so, a- any final fi- final thoughts on uh, the Gates of Fire that you would want to touch yeah. upon? That's a tough one. We touched on a lot. We yeah, touched we on leadership. Yeah. We touched on Andrea, Phobos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, the last thing would just be that it really embodies the idea of not just the outer struggle, but the inner struggle. Yeah. And it goes, it, 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 the book goes and philosophizes in depth on, on the inner struggle. Yeah. As well. Um, when Zio meets his sister again. Oh man, yeah. Later. That that um, whole plot line with Zio and his sister, like you, you have to read it, but it's very like emotional. And, yeah, like, sorry, subtle. that was kind of a spoiler, but well, you don't know when he meets yeah. his sister, so uh, yeah, yeah, or if he, you know, if it, this could be at any maybe part I of the just, book, I so. just made it up. Actually, yeah. <laughs> that actually doesn't happen. Uh, yes, yeah, so as I mean, the point is, there's there's like the outer struggle and the inner struggle too. Yeah, and I think we already talked a lot about that, but it's definitely one of the important themes yeah of the book no what about this thing on um on kings so i believe it is yes yeah, we could try to find that i think it's like this is, this is the um benefit of using a kindle because a kindle you can look up the word <laughs> a word and and uh or even a phrase. Um, oh. Okay, I think I found it. Oh, shit. All right. That is a king, your majesty. A king does not expend his substance to enslave men, but but by his conduct and example makes them free. 
his majesty may ask, as Rooster did, and the Lady Aridi, why why one such why one such as I, whose station could most grandly be called service and most meanly most meanly slavery. This week that's kinda of what we talked about too, yeah. like how slaves had sometimes even a better status. Yeah. Um than like, um, you know, random Greeks or yeah. burned down. Yeah. Their such condition would die. The answer is they were my kin and country. Okay, this is kind of not exactly what I thought it was gonna talk about. Is that roughly the right part of the book? Yeah, it's like it's there. I mean the line about um the king does not expend his substance to enslave men, but by his conduct and example makes them free. Yeah, yeah. I just I feel like there's more there's more like that they Oh here we go. Yeah. So on page three sixty here. Sixty yeah, that's I will I tell his ma- his majesty what a king is. Oh yeah, here, I found it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to read it. Oh, oh, you're waiting for me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can read it. I, I will tell his majesty what a king is. A king does not abide within his tent while his men bleed and die upon the field. A king does not dine with his... Does not dine while his men go hungry, nor sleep when they stand at watch upon the wall. A king does not command his men's loyalty through fear, nor purchase it with gold. He earns their love by the sweat of his own back and the pains he endures for their sake. That which comprises the harshest burden, a king lifts his first, his first and sets down last. A king lifts first and sets down last. A king does not require service of those he leads, but provides it to them. He serves them, not they him. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's good. That also made me tear up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to read when you're invested. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a really good quote. Yeah, right there. That could be a good place to end, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely pick up this book. Um, next week, I don't know what we're doing. Um, I think we might be doing um, a life you can save by Peter Singer. Um, you can follow us cool. at really yeah that's a good book I, yeah I'll tell you that sounds that. cool yeah yeah um and then you know uh on twitter at uh at rdmr underscore io so thank you for listening thank you bye